You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. Deadline is passed. Andrew. Yo. Taylor Hall's a Boston Bruin. We, ha- we've been talking for a couple of weeks that we didn't want him, but we were also talking about the idea that it was going to take at least a first rounder. It was going to take so much to get him that it wouldn't have been worth it for a rental. I don't fucking care if it's a rental. They didn't give up anything for him. When the Taylor Hall news broke, I couldn't have been the only one who got Jerome McGinley 2013 vibes. When that news broke, I was like, no, no, I've been burned before. But the news that we got Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for a second round draft pick and Anders Bjork. If you told me that we'd given away a second and Anders Bjork, I would have told you that they that they got maybe like a middling bottom six player. Yeah, just Lazar. Yeah, just Lazar. <laughs> but it gave it, it. It gives me the the vibe that maybe Kevin Adams overplayed his hand a little bit or a lot of bit. Um, there were there were reports that he was talking to Edmonton and they wanted Ethan Bear and he wanted Ethan Bear and that was a non-starter. Uh, Friedman today, Elliot Friedman uh, had his thirty-one thoughts article, excellent article on Sportsnet. Uh, comes out every week. Um, reported that. The original ask was Jeremy Swayman for Taylor Hall and a pick for, for Jeremy Swayman and a pick for Taylor Hall. So I think Kevin Adams was trying to manufacture manufacture leverage where there was none, and it burned him. Yeah, I think I think there's two parts to that mm-hmm. that jump out to me. One to ask for Jeremy Swayman, and then to come down and just be like, "Well, it's Bjork in a in a second pick." or second round pick is, is enough. That's such a giant collapse there. Like that's such a giant, like, yeah, fuck it. It's, it's just, yeah. it jumps out to me. Honestly, I think the biggest part of this is Taylor Hall kind of chose his own destiny or mm-hmm. at least had the ability to. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to go to Edmonton. Maybe there was a better deal. Like you would have to assume looking at this deal on paper, the entire league is just like, what the fuck? Like, how mm-hmm. did that, how was that enough? Yeah, exactly. And then you see Anthony Manta go to the Capitals for a ransom, dude. Haul. Oh my An god. Absolute haul. And you see Taylor Hall and it's like Taylor Hall is is Taylor Hall's having a down year, you know, he's no doubt about that. He's having a down couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's still a better player than Anthony Manta. 
he's having a down year. He's a giant question mark. And that's why we weren't excited about getting him on this team. Yeah, Because we thought we were going to have to give up so much to take this giant question mark. He's a dynamic talent, but it's question questions everywhere else. That's the problem. That's where the rub is. This is about as low risk of a move as Sweeney could have made. And he fucking nailed it. What did I say? What I wanted Sweeney to do leading up to the trade deadline. I wanted him to buy low. Yep. This Lazarin is literally Hall. as low as you could have bought to Laz- get that kind of return. It's fucking incredible. There's Lazar and Hall for a second round pick in Bjork and a deal that I called two days before and then it happened. Please send all your Venmo money to me. <laughs> Mike Riley for a third round pick next year. Yeah. And that instantly upgrades the defense reg- regardless of who's healthy. Sweeney managed to do exactly what I said he wouldn't be able to do Mm -hmm. just a few hours before all this broke. Mm -hmm. I tweeted out that Sweeney is in a no-win situation. It doesn't matter what he does. There's still going to be so much criticism on him. Nobody needs to, or nobody wants to be him right now, period. Jay-Z said it best. He went to a fork in the road and he went right down the middle. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, Honestly, he did like the only thing that he could have done to have come out of this. Because let's be honest, I don't know what your feelings are on this team. And it's going to take a few games, like not for nothing. Like we're going to have to see what happens with these players. Chemistry is going to have to click in everything. Yeah, we're going to have to see that. There's only 17 games left. I'm not thinking that he's going to come in and score 10 goals in these 17 games. Quarter for truth. here's, here's, Here's the beauty of what Sweeney did. He satisfied both sides of the fan base with this move. He satisfied, mm-hmm. he satisfied most importantly to me for my own mental health. He <laughs> satisfied all the people who have been screaming for him to make a deal. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it with mortgaging jack shit. Because let's be honest, a second round pick this season is fucking nothing because this entire draft is a wild card. The scouting is down. Everything is so pen and paper this year when it comes to what is this first round? There's not a lot of talent in the first round. Mm-hmm. It may yeah. be it may be a, a mid-level deep draft, but if if you're not making those picks or if you have those picks, what are you honestly able to focus on? There's only a few quote unquote hits in this draft. Right. Looking at look like just looking at the rankings right now. Yeah, exactly. So if you're gonna give up draft capital, this is a great fucking year to do it. My sarcastic mind immediately when I saw that he moved a second round pick, and I was like, you can't fuck up a draft pick if you don't make it. cut to the meme of the guy of of the guy tapping his head (laughs) yep so so in that aspect he satisfied so many different parts of the fan base and -hmm. bought himself a little bit of leeway people are actually using the term sweenius again and i can't fucking stand that but it's a thing Mm -hmm. i I don't know if the deadline could have gone any better specifically for him shout out to at don sweeney (laughs) yeah i fucking love that account I, I love it too. <laughs> it's it's been one of my favorite ones to follow for a couple years now because I love watching and watching his mentions because there are legit people in this fan base who tweet at him like it's actually fucking him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. But I, I, yeah, I tweeted out that it's alarming. It, it, it's an alarming amount of people think that's the real Don Sweeney, and in this case, an alarming amount is anything that's not zero. Yeah. It's, <laughs> How do you not, how do you, he's, he's become Don Sweeney's sounding board and he's, it's a service. (laughs) It's an actual service. It's not a troll account. 
when he started, it was kind of like a joke thing. But it's like if you actually like read what he puts out, he actually puts out some intelligent shit. He is. He, he's very, it. very insightful. Yeah. So mm-hmm. great account. Well, whoever the fuck's got that account, if you're listening, kudos. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the uh, the question I guess I have, and I think I already know your answer for it mm-hmm. because you're more positive than I am <laughs> habitually. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this team now post deadline? What do you think? What do you think they're capable of now? I think they won a round with this deadline. I think that they are by definition cup contenders. I don't think they put themselves over the top to come to, to, I don't think they put themselves over the top. I think that's fair to say mm-hmm. there are still far too many question marks with this team. Um, with full health, there's one question mark that I, that I do that, that I do have with this deadline. He uh, Sweeney won his deadline. This was, this team is 10 times better now than it was, or maybe five times better. This team is five times better now than it was in the eight, one shellacking on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but with full health, there are still a couple of question marks. Can Hall and Krejci coexist because it looks like he's penciled in on the second line. Can DeBrusque play the third, can DeBrusque play the right side consistently? That third pair is going to be a cons- constant revolving door between Zaboral, Lazon, Clifton, and Miller. Can that get that done? Can it get that done? for the playoff 15 minutes a game that they're going to have to going to have to do. Can Grizzly stay healthy? Can Carlos stay healthy? It's there's, there's still a lot of questions, but I think they are, I think they are borderline cup cup conference final ceiling right now. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, I I think that is a glass half full right there. Oh, really? Like, I think I, I agree with you that that's their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily got five times better than they were from that 8-1 game, but they're at least five times more tolerable. Five that was times an, more a literal AHL different. That was a yeah. little literal AHL defense. Yeah. They, they, they all, I'll qualify that by saying that we had Jack Ashan and Jared Tenorti as a pairing Yeah, on Sunday. So five times better is sort of aided by the fact that Injuries are coming back. McAvoy is playing tonight's game. Yep. yep. So, but yeah, it's, no, I, I like injuries. How team, injuries yeah. are the key, though. Injuries are the key, but I do, I do like, I do like how this team is constructed. And but, I think for the first time in Sweeney's tenure, we see fully what his image for this team is. I, I, again, minus the injuries or whatever, like minus on, the injuries exactly. on paper, like looking at the roster, ignoring, mm-hmm. ignoring injury designations and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I still like this team, mm-hmm. and this is theoretically a better team. Or, I mean, on paper, again, looking at looking at the roster, including a Taylor Hall before the season, before he went to Buffalo, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it, you're <coughs> you're liking this team. You're liking mm-hmm. this team on paper. Mm-hmm. So if this team can get healthy, Grizzlick obviously has had when on the ice one of the best years of of any Bruin this year. Oh, for sure, absolutely. But him being on the ice is, has been a question. It's four. It's been four. It's now is on his fourth separate injury. Yeah, and this looks to be a concussion. Yep. So, so and any any above the neck injury 
mm-hmm. for me is I just automatically assume this person's going to be out for a while. Mm, right. But we've seen that with multiple players and it's been, it hasn't been an ideal year and there's nothing Sweeney can do about that. There's nothing Cassidy can really do about the, the lineups. He has to run out there like he did the other night. But I, I do think I, I definitely agree with you. I like the idea <coughs> of this trade deadline won them around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can agree with that. They're capable of getting out of the first round. And then, as as a lot of people on Twitter like to remind me when I'm being negative, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's been my party line, dude. Every, once you get in the playoffs, anything can anything can happen. It's just it's hard to do that with the injuries, and that's mm-hmm. that's the knock on this team this year yeah. is the level of health. And right. uh, over the last couple of weeks, the added on to that is their compete level. But I do think that this little deadline and this. Uh, this this last surge, this vote of confidence, honestly, is of like to make these moves and not give up any players on the roster right now, other than Bjork. But he was a spare part. He was he was a spare part. Yeah. Um, to do that and not move a DeBrusque or <laughs> that's the biggest act. Acqu- that that's one of the bigger acquisitions of them all is Sweeney being like, I believe in this room here. Have a Taylor mm-hmm. Hall here. Yeah. Have a Mike Riley. You know. Yeah, and in the, the players that we were naming in the last couple of weeks, like Vakanainen and, and uh, Stanika, Stanika, yeah, Stanika, like players who have had a cup of tea up here mm-hmm. this year and may have to be contributors. Like to not move them is a little bit of vote of confidence, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that message is getting put across from not only the leadership on the team but the coaching staff. And I think that right there might be just that little bit of boost. And obviously playing Buffalo five more times in the last 17 games, also going to be a boost. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. Like maybe, maybe they get a little, a little hot leading into the playoffs. Hopefully they get a lot healthier. Yeah. And and we see what happens, but this I would do. Be a perfect time I do to get agree. hot. Yeah. yeah. This is a perfect time to get hot right now. I'll agree with you that I think that they're getting out of the first round. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, they're getting out of the second round necessarily, but we also don't know who they're playing. God forbid we play like a team like the Islanders in the first round. We ain't getting out of the fucking first round. <laughs> but it all depends on how it shakes out. You almost had the optimism. You almost, almost. had you, you almost had it. <laughs> yeah. That happens. No, I, I I I I like how this team is constructed. Um, like I said, I did have some I do I do have a few I do have a few questions and <laughs> I might leave this one in here for the folks listening. One of the main things I edit out of this show every week <laughs> is is Andrew's fucking office window. <laughs> I live I live in Lowell in the right outside of the Highlands downtown <laughs> and we get a lot of that, <laughs> as you can probably imagine. It happens. <laughs> so let me start that again. <laughs> but I like how this team is constructed. I did have a few questions. Uh, our BNG teammate, um, Andrew Taverna, shout out to Andrew Taverna and Jacob Abernathy, the uh, Puck Lines pod. Um, he had a very, very good point about, you know, if if you wanted to make a shore up move, want to put Kasha in more on LTIR and maximize and weaponize that space. 
I would have loved to have seen them do that. What do you think of that? I, I mean, it makes sense, but like the fact that they haven't done it keeps giving me false hope that that player is just possibly days away. And I don't fucking think he is. But they, they keep not making that move. It's just, it, what is the reasoning? I don't know. But right. I ended think, up not needing to do it from a financial standpoint with the deadline. But yeah. So that's within a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars to spare in cap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I'll, I'll take that money. If, if oh, yeah, that, 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 that's the other thing. That's the other thing about the Taylor Hall trade. 50% retention. Yeah. <laughs> now, Sweeney making this, this exact move is, it's so incredibly low risk. It's like, it makes me so happy that he was able to pull it off because mm-hmm. there's nobody who can look at him and say like, oh, well, he didn't try. He got yeah. the biggest fish and he got it for fucking dick. I want to tell you and let's compare let's compare a couple of trades because i've been i've been on one about this trade ever since it came through the bruins got taylor hall for a second round pick in unders bjork the washington capitals got anthony anthony manta for a first round pick this year a second round pick next year richard panik and jakob vrana wow (laughs) like we were afraid that that was going to happen to Sweeney. <laughs> I wish, I wish we could get our buddy from Japers Rink on this podcast for ten minutes to just blow that trade apart because it. Oh, he hated it. In, <laughs> he hated it. <laughs> yeah, because in theory, it's it's an upgrade for 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 the player, in theory. Mm-hmm. But holy shit! Like, no other trade came through this entire deadline that was that over the top unbelievable were they lied to with with the market for this fucking player like did they think that there was a a really good offer out there but they wanted him so bad that they just had to blow it out of the water and make sure they got him dude there's that's the only fucking way our guys that they they were just clueless on what what else was being offered for him well our guys at caps chirp actually uh shed a little bit of light on this um feligno fell through Mm-hmm. He was the original target, so the cat. So McClellan kind of scrambled to grab Manta, but for that, Steve Eiserman, Steve Eiserman will take your lunch and make you thank him for it. Yeah, incredible, <laughs> dude. Honestly, yeah. like Eiserman, Eiserman really won free agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on that strength of that before, move, along. before that, it would. I thought it was Sweeney, and Sweeney yeah. still. It was a W, but Sweeney gets the silver. Yeah. But it's like you're telling me that they scrambled to try to put a package together. Dude, that's that's like running down the aisle in a supermarket and just putting your hands out and knocking everything into the cart <laughs> and just pushing it out the fucking door. Like that was like the, the, all the assets that oh, they're yeah, giving I mean, away. Like it's unbelievable to me. Like that, that does say to me like, okay, Washington feels good about this team and they're going for it. Mm-hmm. They're mortgaging the future, and it's... They're definitely leaning into their identity as a big, yes. big strong oh, team. Absolutely. Manta absolutely. is a house. But in the process, you give up two, dra- two high-round draft picks, a very useful fourth-line fourth uh, roster player in Panic, and a guy who I'm very high on, admittedly, so maybe this is coloring it a little bit, but who got dicked hard by Peter Laviolette and Jakob Vrana. Mm-hmm. He is a dynamic middle six forward. And if Laviolette wasn't a 
moron would be a top six forward on that team today. Blows my mind. It's and and because of the coach Lavulette, which we have made clear multiple times on this podcast that I'm not a big fan of. Mm-hmm. His, I thought his, of you when his that window, trade came through. Well, and that's the thing, dude. Like yep. his window is always so short. He burns out so quickly with these teams mm-hmm. that making the push right now. Let's do it. Let's. This is this might be our last time. It's like you just resigned, just resigned, arguably the best player in hockey mm. for the last fucking decade, like. You just resigned him. You still have him. Do you? We we talked earlier to the chaps, uh, caps chirp dudes. What they thought their window was, and me and you both thought it was a little bit shorter than they did. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the organization kind of sees this team in the same way as we do, where yeah. the window is shorter. Maybe it's only the next like two three years before things start turning, but. You're yeah, giving like a- they're they're showing that they wanted to get better, and they I think they got better theoretically, like for for this year. And they're so giving- did the Islanders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Our, our division got better. Our division did get better, and in Washington's case, they got a more stylistic fit in Manta, but they gave up a dude who last year paced out to have over sixty points was in Lobby's doghouse for half of the year and still still scored 15 goals and is an RFA next year. Eiserman mm-hmm. will rob you and make you thank him for it. Yeah. <laughs> him and Sakic. Yeah. Oh man, I can't <laughs> wait for the I can't wait for the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry to come back up again. Yeah, I, we may only be a couple of years away now, man. Oh yeah, for sure. And and you know what? Like obviously I'm not a Red Wings fan or anything like that, but that is one of those organizations you want to see as a as a deep running playoff team, the league is better is, when teams like is. Toronto and Detroit are relevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it is. And as as much as I do not like the Maple Leafs and love watching them struggle, hmm. it is good. It is good for the health of the sport. Period. Right. For so. sure. So let's let's play these last seventeen games. Like, what's best case scenario for record for you? So for the last seventeen games, yeah. So let's see. I don't like doing record because overtime losses and shit. I like doing like yeah. a points percentage type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's 34 points on the table for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I'll say 26. I was I was at 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. so I can I can line that up with you. I think that is the 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 name of the game specifically when we're playing certain teams is to not give up that extra point even right. if we win in Overtime, giving somebody an extra point out of it. That's the nature of this game right now. And these games are going to be closer. Yeah, for sure. Like these last couple games. Even the Sabres have been playing better. Yeah. But it is going to be a mad scramble to get some points. I still think that this team can can end up in third easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Outside shot at second. Outside shot at second and in a, a decent shot. I think if we get... I don't even expect, I don't expect five, six goals out of Hall. If we got two and he was on productive and yeah, thrilled as long as like the line itself is productive. Mm-hmm. Like as long as they're not lost and turning the puck over and passing so fucking much, like let's, let's get some production out of this dude. And it doesn't necessarily need to be goals. That is a, that is a perfect segue into 
a soundbite that Bruce Cassidy gave us mm-hmm. today when he appeared on the Touche and Rich show. They were talking about Hall, obviously, and Cassidy had this to say, and you said that we that you could take this a few ways. I took this a few ways, so let's talk about it for a sec. Sure. Hall has been judged his whole life, right or wrong, by offensive production. He'll be judged here based on production and team success. We told him, you're in an organization that has expectations, a city that has expectations. You wanted this. We've handled it well over the years, and now it's up to you to handle your end of the bargain. A, I love Bruce Cassidy. (laughs) B, I love the direct pointed message here. We want you to produce, but we want you to produce in a way that helps us win. It doesn't necessarily have to be goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be points or goals. Yep. How did you take that? He's speaking to to Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. but I think he's also speaking to the fan base. And in a, in a way, almost setting expectations, like don't expect, like I'm saying, like don't expect him to come in here and score seven, eight goals in the last 17 games. Mm-hmm. Don't expect mm-hmm. him. Right. Um, and basically just saying, if you're pushing team first and not me first it's going to work here mm-hmm. but also hey fans especially the casual fans do not expect him to come in here and lead the lead in league or lead the uh the team in scoring to end this end this regular season mm-hmm. it's not going to happen yeah we got so many pe- people who we got so many fans here who think that we're going to see the heart hall and yeah. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic, probably not for the rest of this dude's career. And I don't know how you felt. I'm sure you saw it too. His, his Zoom call yesterday, his body language, his lack of eye contact, the whole deal. He looked spaced out. He looked disconnected. Mm-hmm. He looked yeah. sad. And it was not, it's not what I wanted to see. Like he said a couple of the right things, but he also admitted that his confidence has been shaken. Right. And yeah. if we're getting a broken player, like an emotionally fucking broken or, or, or vacant player. Maybe we need to be the antidote to the Buffalo sickness in this case. Yes. I think that's Curtis Lazar's already cured. Did you hear his, some of his comments? He was fucking ecstatic. That's <laughs> what we wanted to see out of hall. Yeah, exactly. Hall's more shaken. I think hall's also somebody who goes on the internet and reads shit about himself. Ooh, I, don't think, do that. Ooh, I think he vanity do searches that. and this year there's nothing to see. Mm-hmm. like positive uh, nothing worth seeing Basically exactly. last, except for like the last like 48 hours right yeah Bruins fans will welcome him Bruins yeah. locker room I think are going to welcome him I I know that there's been talks before about him not being an ideal person in the locker room but we have a considerable amount more leadership structure mm-hmm. and there are so many leaders in that room yeah like our locker room he's he's not going to have to be looked at in the same way as he's been yeah. for the last couple of years, including his time in Jersey. And obviously coming with the first overall pick, he was looked at that way right off the bat mm-hmm. when he yeah. was in Edmonton, like right off the bat, people are looking at him like you're supposed to be the guy what's going on. He doesn't have to be the right. guy here. Right. He, he will, he'll slot into what he is here. A second line win. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. It, that that's let let's go. <laughs> yep. Imagine being David Krejci right now. You're going to start with Paul on your left and a red flaming hot Craig Smith on your right. He must be 
he must be popping out of his shorts right now. Him as a leader, also in the in the the locker room, a quieter mm-hmm. one nonetheless. But yeah, I think his level of excitement will probably be so incredibly important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks, especially right. when it comes to assimilating Hall into the system, assimilating Hall into the system, and just looking like there's effort being mm-hmm. put forth. So as much as we think that the Bruins won free agency, a team that just fucking lost, or just just, a team that just fucking lost free agency would probably be the Buffalo Sabres. Just another giant L on this organization for this season. So I think it's a really, really good time to bring in my buddy Jamie. If you want to feel better about your team, you talk to Jamie about the Sabres, and he he will put things in perspective for you. So... I think, I think we should hear the other side of this trade. I think uh, is that day. I think I think we should, especially especially now that they've had about forty eight hours to let it really sink in. Mm-hmm. What's up, buddy? What up, homie? Hey! How you been, brother? Hanging. You're, you're sideways, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Buffalo. That's a good segue. <laughs> I don't know. Sideways would be a good place to be right now. <laughs> oh, we're, no. we're, we're, we're straight upside down. Yeah. Dude, I feel like I know you with all of the texts, all the text screenshots I've been getting in the last few days. <laughs> Jamie's like one of the, uh, he's obviously a smart sports fan, smart hockey fan or whatever, but he's extremely cynical about his team and he has every fucking right to be this year. Wouldn't you be if you were a Sabres fan, Thomas? I don't what know. would what you be if you I were a Sabres be? fan? I don't know, man. I just probably wouldn't be watching hockey as much right now. We've, moved past, we've moved past cynical to just comical now. Like yeah. we've, We're in the acceptance stage of <laughs> how being the worst franchise in, in <laughs> hockey, if not all of sports, is just the operational reality. And yeah. it doesn't seem like much will change in that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been discussing how Boston, for, in, their own, in their own right, won free agency about as well as they could have for themselves, for what the team needed, for, for what they ended up giving up. But obviously, if, what won the trade deadline? Yeah, like uh, for what we thought that they were going to do at the deadline, they did better than we thought. We're typically we typically take a pretty hard stance and a little bit of a cynical stance when it comes to like we didn't think that there was a way for Sweeney to pull off a positive, and yeah, think- and he did, but it's it's at the expense of it has, it's at the expense of another team, which mm-hmm. of course you're here because it was your team. <laughs> yeah, I think I think anytime you make it through the trade deadline adding assets that will help you in the playoffs without giving up firsts or prospects, you did a good job. Right. Yeah. Like that's just whether it's seconds, thirds, fifths, or sevens, it's really kind of immaterial. I think you guys added Mike Riley for like a sixth or a seventh too. And yeah, Mike Riley for a 2022 third. Oh, third. Yeah. I mean, those are get Not NHL even this year. <laughs> yeah, get NHL defensemen, get additional scoring get guys who can check and play on the penalty kill, get whatever you can add without taking away the stuff that matters. You're mm-hmm. always going to win Yeah. from a Sabres perspective on that deal. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Hall had a no movement clause. 
he wanted to go to Boston, he's going to go to Boston. I think the piece that shows the kind of inexperience and incompetence in the deal is that you guys got the player you wanted. We took salary back. We didn't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. We got the deal done without any conditions on you guys resigning them. So we didn't get paid for exclusive negotiating rights. Yeah, We got a second. That's probably the best we were going to do. We got a player that's got some term, but we gave you cap relief. We gave you a, we cut, <laughs> we cut uh, Anders Bjork's cap in half, gave you Lazar back. We, and, and we did it in a day before the deadline. That's the part that irritates me the most is that I'd rather go up until the deadline. If a deal doesn't get done and you don't meet Buffalo's, if Sweeney doesn't give a little bit more, give me that conditional on if you sign him, give me something a little bit more. His loss is he doesn't get a good player for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If a deal doesn't get done and Buffalo doesn't get a deal done, they lose a player they were going to lose anyways and lose out on a second round pick. Big deal. Like you have to be willing to neg- like use your negotiating leverage to know that Sweeney wants Taylor Hall. He wants him for the playoffs. He wants to re-sign him at a really cheap rate. You need to get paid for that. Yeah. If you don't, then you're just doing the bare minimum of saying, okay, this is all Don Sweeney wants to give me. I guess I got to take it. Yep. So, in that, so in that, yeah. So in that situation, like Kevin Adams, we we've, we, we've said plenty about him. Um, why, why this deal? Like why, why, why not wait it out? Why did he feel so panicked to make the deal right then and there? Like he had to do it. That's what it, that's what this, that's what this contract, that's what this deal looks like. This deal looks like I have to do this right now. I would say, I think it's less panicked and just more inexperienced. So Taylor Hall's going, I'm not going anywhere except Boston, trade me to Boston. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the experience to be sitting in the seat of taking it down to 15 minutes at the deadline, like this is my beef with the Sabres and constantly hiring new GMs and new coaches who have never done the job before. I don't think he panicked. I think he doesn't have the experience to know what running down the clock does, what leverage is, what being in Don Sweeney's shoes is like. Mm -hmm. He's just going, all right, he's got a no movement clause. He wants to go to Boston. Boston's going to give me a second. I'm going to do a small upgrade on a player with some term. Cool. It's not panic as much as inexperience, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's fair. He also, like, there's a strong chance he had, like, a dentist appointment or something on Monday, and he couldn't be bothered with the fucking actual <laughs> deadline. So, you never yeah, fucking know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It well, is. I mean, you were talking about GM experience. We, when we, we had straight up Sabres on here, they like to bring up the fact that he was r- running, a, running the rink across the street yeah. less than a year ago. Yeah. Uh, the business administration side of it. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I don't know. It's almost like we hired a guy from the soccer leagues to coach the team as well. I mean, yeah, it's almost. just, <laughs> hey, you know, there's a level of silliness now that like, yeah. I don't even want to know what they're going to do next. Right. I think Terry Pagula might make himself the, the coach at some point. <laughs> I, I believe the term that the uh, straight up Sabres dude uh, used was he liked the cut of his jib. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's all it takes. Did, yeah. Like if that's what it takes to break into sports, Maybe maybe we should head up to Buffalo and just try to make friends with somebody and right. see if we can end up running a fucking franchise. <laughs> hey Tom, Trust you me, made no. some, you made some friends in Buffalo that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's I, I, one of my favorite things is uh, I don't think I've told uh, Andrew this before, but real quick. So obviously mm-hmm. my last name's Nystrom, and that's Mister Mister Islander, like Bobby Nystrom. So we're fucking hammered. I think it was night two because we went to like two consecutive games. Yep, in Buffalo. Yep. So we were we were gone. 
but we happen to have uh, seats directly behind the glass behind the Sabres bench. And uh, there was some Islander fans like right behind us. And we were just like yelling and screaming or whatever. And I I don't remember if they said something to Jamie or me, but I like just turned around and like instinctively just like showed them my license. So they saw my last name. And at the end of that intermission, they came back with two Labatt Blues or Molson's or whatever the fuck was the cheapest beer there and bought us some fucking beers. And I remember telling them, I was like, yeah, we're all going to Pearl Street after there. And they they asked they asked me at one point, they're like, is is Bobby here? And I was like, he likes to sit up in the booth. We just like to sit down here. And they fucking oh. bought us beers. And then obviously we didn't go to that bar after the game. We went to the bar that we really liked going to that was right next to the hotel. But that was like, probably the smartest drunk thought that I ever had was to just pull out my wallet and show somebody my name. Cause it, think really, I'm not fucking related whatsoever, but they don't have to fucking know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man. Drunk Thomas is fun. <laughs> yeah. It's been, a, it's oh, been yeah. a minute since we've been up there. I want to get up there again. It's we, we talked a lot about it with actually the, uh, the straight up Sabres dudes. Like I, I loved going to games up there. Because when you're up there, it's like hockey is pretty much all that was going on at that period. Like you're there, you're going to the bars. Like it is, it is a hockey town and it's a town that fucking deserves more. Like Jamie's not from Buffalo. He's just a Buffalo fan, but I know he would agree with me when I say like, it's a hockey town and the fans of that team deserve so much fucking. They're rabid. They're rabid. You see it with the bills. They're absolutely insane. Yeah. But, and like there's for, in the Sabres case, just, so much top-down incompetence. Um, I have to ask you, Jamie. Um, the Eric Stahl trade, the Taylor Hall trade. It looks like the Buffalo Sabers are picking the absolute worst draft <laughs> to grab draft capital. I want to get your okay. thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I was. I was hoping we would see more 2022 picks in terms of return. The 2022 draft is definitely uh, deeper, especially when you start talking about first round talent finding its way into the second and third round. I think this draft has a top top 10 to 12 that I'm going to be thrilled to be picking in. But man, it really slims out after that. I think there's there's certainly some COVID elements to that in terms of who is playing and who's getting scouted well and things like that. I know we all like to bring up an SHL game here Make sure you're watching your OHL games and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's not as much of it to, to wrap your head around this year. Um, and of course, if you're the Buffalo Sabres and you have like three and a half scouts, it makes it 10 times harder. <laughs> um, we literally, we've, we, yeah, we, we fired half of our scouts and then traded for a bunch of draft gifts, which is a really brilliant way to, to go about things. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a unique, a unique season. I think there was a lot of optimism initially when you're seeing moves like trading for Eric Stahl and signing Taylor Hall, and as a fan, you're imagining, well, what are the best possible outcomes of this scenario? Eric Stahl's still producing second-line numbers. Taylor Hall, man, he just bounced around bad teams. Now he's coming to Buffalo. Clearly, he'll be good again. Um, so, you know, none of that stuff works out. You're back at the bottom. But it's all all the compounding effects. There's there's the death by a, a thousand paper clips or paper cuts, right? All the tiny little things we've done wrong for five years. And then there's the catastrophes you make along the way that just compound all that trading Ryan O'Reilly for a bunch of leftovers, hiring coaches from soccer leagues, hiring GMs who never done the job. I mean, it's basically five years of compounding interest and here we are hiring GMs that have never done the job and then never hiring an assistant under him. Yep. (laughs) He's, he's supposedly going to hire an assistant GM 
He's, I'll believe it when it, I see it. <laughs> oh, well, he's got it narrowed down. Everybody pretty much assumes he's going to hire Carmanos, which is hilarious because why would you wait till after trade deadline day to hire your assistant GM who has at least a moderate amount of experience? <laughs> what is he going to like? Great. His advice will be fantastic in the last 13 games that don't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, I know it's with an eye to next season, but still, the optics don't look great. <laughs> No, no, we got no goaltending going into next year. We weren't able to sign Olmark, but then we didn't trade him for talent for draft capital either, which yeah. means our best case scenario is that he plays so well that we end up hiring Don Granada to be the coach long term, which like I would have rather you let Olmark go, get a second round pick, try and sign him in the offseason. No doubt he's been the, arguably the MVP of the team. But now his only value is in ensuring that we extend our interim coach to a full-time job, which no matter how good he does, just give me somebody who's coached 500 games. <laughs> give me a GM who's made the call before. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how bad they've been in these jobs. It's the raw experience that counts more than anything right now. Yep. You touched on goaltending. Uh, we had heard from a, an article this morning that the original ask from Buffalo was from Boston was Jeremy Swayman, our, our rookie goaltender. Out of Maine, and yeah. and our thirty-one thoughts. Yep, and uh, that that got shot down. Going from that ask, and then just settling for Andres Borg in second. Like, yeah, just being like, oh, well, if we can't have that, like, just just send whatever. We'll just, we'll stomach. Can you it. just put two things in a bag for me? Yeah. I'll take them. <laughs> it's like Kevin Adam says. Okay, I would we would like Jer- Jeremy Swayman, and then John Sweeney goes, "Who the fuck are you?" And he goes, "You're right." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The goaltending scenario is like a real mess for us now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's no doubt that Omar doesn't want to resign, right? If you spent basically eight years of your career in the Buffalo system and now you have a chance to get out, yeah. I don't know how many how many millions you need to like forego that <laughs> opportunity. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back, given that we're so desperate that we could put like a silly, silly number on the table that is you know, 40% more than anybody else is offering. Yeah. That might get him back, but he's well, at Paluga least going to go see for, yeah. That's Peluga bucks, Peluga dollars. Those, the, those, <laughs> those are what get you Taylor yeah. Hall for half a season and a Jeff Skinner who's cut off at the torso. And <laughs> we one time gave Christian Erhoff a 10 year contract. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Didn't you guys buy him out after like year three? Yep. Yep. <laughs> when the, when there was the when there was like the the um, I forgot what it what it was called. You know when we could buy people out and not have it hit the cap. Mm-hmm. Murray compliance. Yeah, the compliance. Yeah, the, compli- the compliance buyouts. Yep. We also gave Billy Lino a six year, twenty four million dollar deal after he played three good games in a playoff series against us with Pagula watching, <laughs> and then pretended he was going to play center. And even in his in his interview, he was like, "Yeah, center." Uh, Okay. <laughs> sure. And they were like, there's our number one center for next year. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll play center. God, that check has a lot of zeros. I don't need yeah. to do shit now. What is, what's Buffalo's cap situation for next year? Oh, uh, we're in really good shape in yeah. the sense that we have a ton of cap space because we don't have many good players. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, um, isn't one of the issues that they have right now? I know you, I think you text me about it, if I'm not mistaken, that they don't even have enough people to, actually protect for this for well, the, for the enter, for the draft for for Seattle. They they have enough people. I mean, we're going to protect players that don't actually matter. I think the biggest issue we had was 
Um, you know, you need to expose one defenseman that meets a certain requirement of playing yeah. last year. We only no. have two. Yeah, we only have um, two of those guys. And the problem being that we want to trade both of them. <laughs> Ristolainen and, and Colin Miller, right? They got a year left each. They both meet the requirement. I've been frustrated because you keep seeing guys pass through waivers that we could just claim this guy on waivers and it opens up at least the negotiating leverage ability to trade both of those guys. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, I don't know, table stakes competency to be able to put yourself in the best position to make a good move. And we can't even do that. And that's, that's obviously frustrating. Buffalo's utter refusal to move Rasmus Ristolainen has baffled me because he's not nearly as good as Buffalo seems to think he is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, one one hundred. Like he's, that was bad. He's that not even going to defend his player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I wanted him to. Oh, Jamie, come on, man. <laughs> that was baffling. Like two years ago, and now we just it, it's like sunk cost. Like they're never trading him. Obviously, yeah. I mean, there's been yeah the the rumors of who were you know who he may have been traded for over the years yeah. is like that type of frustration of remembering that we turned down Jerome McGinley for Mike Pekka back in the day. Yeah. Oh my God. And that's, and Rista, someone like Rista Linen, he is patient zero for the Buffalo sickness. Like, like if you want to see what the Buffalo, what Buffalo does to somebody, look at Rista Linen. He yeah. was a Good. And he, I think that in any other kind of situation, he would be a number one bona fide stud defenseman. Yeah, I think there's the, how bad Buffalo has been in their development decisions, not only with individual players, but in the turnover of coaching and systems. Yeah. You're wrist aligned and playing for Ted Nolan at like 19 years old. There's basically no system. Mm -hmm. You get you get your first real Big development. Head, Ted, love the guy. <laughs> yeah, you get your first real development under Dan Bilesma, who's coaching a passive system that's allowing you to back off at the blue line. That's going to limit um, shots from the slot. You're going to play a certain way, and you're going to play for Phil Housley after that, who has a completely different system. He went from stretch passing under under Dan Bilesma to trying to make those quick you know passes to F1 and let F1 transition, all that stuff. Then you switch over to. You know, Kruger, I mean, the guy's gone basically through a different development system structure every one to two years of his entire career. And just and look at he's, his, he's, he's broken. And just it's look not, at what he looked like at 19 versus what he looks like now. I think there's there's one cardinal rule, in my opinion, when you bring a young player directly to the NHL, and that is you're going to allow them to play to what they do well. Mm -hmm. You're not there to develop new and skills and new talents. There. Right. Look at what they've done to Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, the guy was literally the best 18-year-old defenseman the world had ever seen. And Ted Kruger comes in and is like, no, put on 15 pounds and defend the blue line. And you're like, guys, like, what are we doing? Have we not learned this lesson? Hey, guess what? We'll trade Ryan O'Reilly. We've got a 20-year-old Casey Middlestad who played shitty in college for one year. And all of a sudden, we're going to put him on the second line and let him, and we're going to try and roll lines that way. It's the same you know, mistakes over and over again. Patrick Berglund made the, speaking of that trade, Patrick Berglund <laughs> made the right decision. And after 16 games was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> I, I honestly believe that that trade is the worst trade that anybody since Mike Milbury has made in the NHL <laughs> and the most catastrophically destructive move any GM could have done to compound that by hiring Kruger a year after it. Like, <laughs> Those two moves in the span of 12 months is like that. Yeah, that's Titanic level shit. It's almost like there's, there's money on the table to purposely throw shit away. 
Like you're almost, it's almost like you're getting paid. It's like the mob influence or something like that. Like, no, do as badly as you fucking can. Who trains a player like, who trains a player like Ryan O'Reilly with five years of term at at the right cap number? Like, it's just insane. Wasn't some of that like a personal thing too? I mean, there's, there's rumors left and right. The guy said exactly what everybody was feeling was the only one who was honest about it. And they were like, we don't want to pay this bonus get out of here and then sold the, (laughs) and then sold the trade as if it was like depth and rebuilding for the future. And it's like, dude, Patrick Berglund and Vlad Saboka, all due respect. (laughs) Well, that That, that ain't it, man. The, the, the Ryan O'Reilly signing was doomed from the start because I remember, I remember this specifically. It was like three or four days after he was signed. He was arrested for DUI after his car went through the front of a Tim Hortons. Yes. (laughs) So it yes. was like, so it was like, the, if, if, if you want to, if you want to talk about harbingers of doom, what do the yeah. Sabres do next to start turning the corner? So uh, there's the, the critical path right now is what do you think of Jack Eichel? That's the only real question at this point. Um, he, his contract can, uh, shifts to a no trade clause in 2022. So it's, you got to figure this out in the next 12 months. Um, if you're going to continue down the path of trying to build around him, you know, it's draft capital and patience, like stop playing around. Like you guys aren't competent in, in anything regarding building NHL talent or build, bringing in NHL talent. It's failed for years. A first for Brandon Montour. What, what, are, <laughs> what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that's a tough question because I think there's a lot of non hockey elements uh, to that question. And mm-hmm. You know, if if I were if I were doing things, I would bite the bullet. If you told me that Terry Pagula would give up the control he has, and you could allow me to pick a name out of a hat of like six old school GMs, like the Brian Burks who are out of a job right now, let me pick that name out of a hat. I don't care who it is, and he has five years to build the organization as he sees fit. No. I would say blow it all up and start completely over from scratch. I don't care about Jack Eichel. No. Now, knowing that that's not going to happen <laughs> and that we're going to be stuck in kind of some form of this circus, you got to keep trying to build around Jack. There's really like, you can't win that trade, right? Yeah. Nobody wins trading that type of a player. So mm-hmm. we're stuck. That's <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you kind of touched on it. Like what we, what we've discussed previously was the the first thing that needs to happen is, a general manager needs to come in or a team president needs to come in and have enough charisma and experience to just walk into the room and tell Pagula to shut the fuck up yeah. and to no. just let hockey people do something. Yeah. Just tell them no. That's Mike one. Keenan. Mike Keenan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you I'm guys serious. Seen? I'm dead serious. Stop no, you're that. not. Stop it. <laughs> no. No. Mike I'm, I'm I 100% serious. That is the kind of general manager that is going to do that. That is going to walk in and be I'll like, shut the fuck up. This is my team now. You just bankroll it. Mm-hmm. The way take, it should be. <laughs> I'll take Dean Lombardi, Mike Gillis. Who else is still unemployed? Those would probably be at the top of my list. Yeah. Mike Gillis, Mike Gillis making public a um, a 55-point slideshow as to why he should be hired as the general manager of the Florida Panthers during the offseason was certainly a move. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's awesome. <laughs> I could, like I want 
I honestly want a 55-page slideshow of why anybody wants to be the general manager <laughs> of the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be a huge step up. Yeah. You, that they thought of 55 things alone is a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, but that that that's a that's a thing though. Like if if you if you want to go full stop like if somebody's got to come in guns drawn not necessarily maybe Mike Keenan himself, but somebody like a Mike Keenan, like if John Tortorella wanted to be a general manager, God forbid, mm. or just somebody with just a dynamic personality just to walk into the room and be like, this is my team. You just pay for it. Yep. Somebody who commands respect because Pigula doesn't. Exactly. He just doesn't. Exactly. Kevin, and, it, and Kevin Adams certainly doesn't. No. But it doesn't even matter how much cap space Buffalo is going to have this offseason. If somebody, if you're a young player looking to get a contract and they're offering you something and another team no. is offering you something, you're not going to want to go to fucking Buffalo because exactly. everybody knows we- it's a huge issue. So there has to be some sort of structural leadership changes in that organization before they're going to get fucking anybody. Yeah. How I many want nothing to do. And how many agents out there? And how many agents out there are telling their players like um, you can negotiate with anybody, but Buffalo's a no-go. I'm going to bet it's a alarming amount. For sure. Hey, you look right at one, of our, one of our signings this off season is the perfect example of why I want nothing to do with free agency. Cody Eakin. We, yeah. We got two, yeah. Two, like, <laughs> Let's get Jamie going on Cody Eakin. And we're going to have to extend this podcast like another 25 minutes. Two years. Johan Larson was one of the best bottom six checking centers in the entire league. He was yeah. a free agent and we let, we didn't even try and sign him. And we he's gave absolutely Cody, killing it in Phoenix right now. Yeah. Oh, he was killing it here too. He was the, yeah. probably the fourth best player we've had over the last five years, which is insane. <laughs> a fourth and, line player is one of the four best players you've had in the last five years. There's just, just, yeah. let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> With all due respect to Johan Larson, he is not a fourth line player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fair. But he, okay. tra- traditional label. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, he was an incredible checking line center who would play all the tough matchups, play against Crosby all night, do your best neutralizing top talent, win faceoffs, kill penalties, get the puck out. Basics. And we got in, in his place, we got Cody Eakin, who I'm not sure yet exactly what he does as a hockey player besides skating. <laughs> I think this is a pretty, pretty good example and kind of the same thing that we came away with from our last Sabres guests. The general consensus I would have is if you guys just on a message board, put up polls every week on what you guys need to do as an organization from a general manager standpoint, the fan base would run the team better than the actual organization is running. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. just not doing things would have run the organization. better. (laughs) (laughs) Just standing pat. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally not doing anything the last three years. Like you don't sign anybody. You don't, you just qualify offer your restricted free agents and people get randomly forced up from Rochester. If that was the approach, we'd be in a better situation. Yeah. But we'll see. You guys are probably hire an assistant manager from PetSmart or something, and he'll be running the team next year. And we'll see what happens. We'll just see what happens from there, man. Yep. Jamie, dude, thanks so much for joining us, man. Like honestly, like the Sabres guests have been some of our favorite on this and absolutely maybe, maybe partially, because y'all just make us feel a little bit better about our our organization sometimes, but you guys should feel good. Yeah, but I love you and I appreciate you coming on, buddy. 
Thanks, Jamie. Love you too, man. Hey, Taylor Hall sucks. Have a good one. He does, man. And, and you know what? <laughs> Just real quickly, when I asked, when Jamie asked me about like if I wanted him, I was like, no, I don't, I don't fucking want him at all. And Jamie's like, that's the correct answer. The only reason I'm stomaching it is because we just, we basically sent them a bag of fucking dog food. And yeah, for that price, you'll try sticks. anything. Exactly, because yeah. it's 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 kind of as close to a, a win-win as you can get. Even in, even if he comes and doesn't score and falls on his face, Sweeney made it made a move to try to better the team. He gets a pass. That's all it is. Yeah, so, you're right. Take care, Jamie. Thanks again. Take care. Good meeting you, man. All right, so that is uh. That's Jamie. He has nothing to promote. He is not a blogger. He's not a uh, not a podcaster or anything like that. He's just a down-to-earth Sabres fan who is trying to make sense of this organization. It won't be the last time we have him on here because I have a feeling the Sabres are going to continue to give us something to fucking talk about on this podcast. Yeah, and, and J- Jamie is the kind of guy who you... Is he's the kind of guy who you look to when you say, "I want, I want the Sabers to be relevant again," mm-hmm. because you want to give that guy something to root for. Exactly. Sabers fans, any Sabers fans listening, man, we 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 feel for you. We ge- we we genuinely, genuinely respect love, respect and love you. <laughs> until you get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> and then we hate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> 17 games to go in this regular season, man. Let's let's see where it goes. Yep. Here's hoping. That's it. All right, brother. I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, dude.